Okay, we're going to we're going to look at the Bible this morning. We're actually going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a Bible or some sort of electronic device, um, you can open your Bible or grab one. There's some Bibles on the aisle here. You can grab one of those, um, use one of those. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which is basically part 13, I believe, of a series that we've been doing entitled Unlikely Church. And if you're just new to the series, we've entitled to that because this letter that the apostle, one of the earliest leaders of the Christian church, this letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, it would seem is arguably one of the most unlikely churches to have actually made it out of the first century alive. There's so many issues, so many challenges, so many struggles, so many questions and elements of confusion, and yet, within all of that, God is just faithful, just incredibly faithful to continue working in people's lives, transforming people's way of thinking, people's emotions, his church in all ways. And thus, the church did in fact make it out of the first century, and it thrived. And, and Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians. And, uh, and the word spread, the gospel, the good news about Jesus and all that he offers the world um, went well beyond this little church that we're, we're now interacting with in the ancient city of Corinth. Now, last week, before we jump right into chapter nine, uh, the apostle Paul was was trying to explain uh, to the believers, the Jesus followers in Corinth, about the transforming power of the love of God. He was trying to explain to them that when you've been impacted, like actually impacted by the love of God in Jesus Christ, it changes something on the inside of you. Fundamentally, something changes in such a way that we are empowered to overcome our sense of entitlement, all of our precious rights that we, we so tightly cling to, so that we can better love and serve others. This is, this is profound, this is revolutionary. This can potentially just change everything. The love of God which empowers us to overcome our sense of entitlement so that we might better love and relate to others. Now, Paul's gonna continue building on this thought that he started last week in chapter eight. And we're gonna, we're gonna continue in chapter nine, tra uh, tracking with Paul's train of thought and seeing that this transforming love of God, it actually goes beyond simply empowering us to be like, decent, nice human beings to each other. Because really, if you were here last week, on some level, essentially, it just amounts to that. Like just being nice people to each other, not insisting on our own personal rights, but living in such a way that we put others before ourselves. This week, Paul's gonna say, okay, we're gonna go beyond that. This transformative love ought to compel you even beyond that. And we're going to see how this, this man who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth is a man that's been utterly compelled 
by this love of God in a way that he's not just being nice to people. I mean, he is, but he's on a mission with God to share that love with the world. He talks about the oughtness of the transformative love of God. He said, you can know God in a way that you ought. Such a great word, ought. You can know the love of God in a way that ought to compel you to live in a way that's, that's quite, quite something else, quite extraordinary. So, shall we? Yeah, why not? First Corinthians chapter nine. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? And Paul's, of course, speaking of himself. Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship. You're the evidence. You're the the fruit. You're the proof of of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right? And let me just paraphrase the next few verses. He goes on to say... Don't I, as an apostle and a fellow believer, follower of Jesus, have the right to, uh, to receive provision, food, and drink for the work that I'm doing? Don't I have the right to, to get married and to fall in love and to experience that sort of fulfillment? Don't I have the right, generally speaking, to receive uh, help from the community of Jesus to to do the work that he's entrusted to me. He's saying, don't I have the right to all of that? Then he goes on to say in verse 12, just to skip forward a little bit, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I've not used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this Boast For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Let's just pause there. Now, I want to take advantage of something that Paul is saying here um, to say something to you guys that I don't know if I've ever said before, but I've been looking for the moment. Um, so I'm a preacher, and I'm a minister of the gospel, God has called me to, to be a pastor and to, to help lead his church. I'm one of these guys who's meant to receive uh, my salary as a pastor. This is kind of how it works. This is what, what Paul is saying. He's saying this, this is not only uh, proper, but it's, it's biblical. And he's citing biblical examples of how in the temple and how at the altar, those who serve in this way should receive uh, funding, support, assistance from those whom 
a guy like me serves. And this is what I want to say to you. Thank you for being an awesome church. Thank you for being generous. If you were thinking, oh gosh, here comes the guilt trip. No way, no way. I just want to say, you guys are an awesome, generous church. We're small, we're young, um, but you guys give. You guys give faithfully, generously, sacrificially. I mean, I'm not checking your like, income levels, but some of you give um, in a way that's, that's really quite uh, humbling. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being an awesome, giving church. As a church, we, we knew that if we were going to do this, that we would, we would have to take some financial risks. Um, you know, I moved my family a number of times. We finally made it to Portland. Uh, we signed a lease for this building. We, uh, we decided to make coffee for everyone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, you know, bills, uh, not to mention just me and my family. But we thought, you know what? If God is in fact calling us to do this, um, I'm quite confident that he's gonna supply for all of our needs and beyond. And the way he does that is through uh, the generosity of his, of his church. So guys, thanks for being an awesome church. That's really all I wanted to say to that. Yeah. Um, I wanna say a few other things, actually. Um, He's making the point that although he's well within his rights to expect these things from the church, that he would rather die than for people to think that that's why he's doing what he's doing. He would rather die rather than people to mistake what he's actually all about and his motive for preaching the gospel, whatever that means, and we'll come to that. He doesn't want anyone to think that he's just in this uh, for a bit of extra cash. What we're seeing now is a glimpse into the heart of a man who has, in fact, been transformed by the love of God. He's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the fame. He's not in it to, to, to simply win friends or to have a bit of fun. He's been engulfed, consumed by the love of God in a way that he's like, look at no matter what happens, no matter what you think, you need to know what this is really all about. He says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. I can't even post about it because this is just, I'm compelled to do this. I'm compelled to share the love of God with others. Let's, um, let's keep going. He says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law. So it's to win those under the law. He's talking about those who, uh, who are like Jews, living according to the old covenant, the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, Gentiles. I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. That's the law of the spirit, the law of grace. 
so as to those, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He's a person who's been fully engulfed in the love of the living God. He is compelled to share this love with others. Not too long ago, I was asked to uh, help teach a course on evangelism, um, how to go about sharing your faith with others. And uh, I thought, wonderful, great. Room full of of Christians who all, all want to learn how to how to share their faith with the people around them. And uh, I, I did my little deal, gave my speech, and then there was a time for Q&A, and the first person to raise their hand said something along the lines, everything you've just said is extremely offensive to me. <laughs> something like, so some of you here were actually in the room, I don't know if you remember that, totally caught me off guard. I was like, wow, did not see that coming don't know what to say. (laughs) I thought you guys were into this. Not everyone's into it. In fact, I would say this idea of like telling other people about Jesus, uh, evangelism, it's one of these issues that can really stir up some emotion. Uh, Whether you're a Christian or not, it's just one of these hot topics. Um, I have a theory. There's a couple, there's a couple of, of things like this that really just, just rile people up. How do you feel about telling other people about Jesus? How does it make you feel? How, how does even me just saying that? What's your gut feeling? Love it. That's awesome. There we go. Very. Norm, now right now, I'm, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't really feel nervous. But typically, if someone says, hey, let's go like look for people to like share our faith with. Or if I'm thinking about someone, a friend that I'm gonna like be seeing and I think, man, there, there might be an opportunity. My initial, my gut, Reaction is typically like knots. It's like, ugh, like it's, it's this weird mix of emotion. Like I, I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm excited, but like I feel slightly scared, nervous. I wonder if perhaps it's, it's partly spiritual, partly just me being insecure. Um, but that, that's, that's where I'm at. I envy people who just like, just like, yeah, let's go do it. Let's just get out there. Let's, let's see what God does. Um, I would love to be like that. This is Paul. This is what he taught. And by the way, if we, just, if we go back not too many verses, he makes this very, very bold statement. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's, it, Paul's not just like rambling on about, oh, this is what I'm like, blah, 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 like whatever, 
he's like, no, this is, I'm wanting you to understand something about the oughtness of the transformative love of God. When you've experienced something as amazing, beautiful, powerful, transformative as the love of God, you ought, you ought to feel something when it comes to sharing that love with others. This is Paul's point. Now, whether or not you like that or agree with that, like that's, I suppose that's, that's between you and God. But this is what Paul's saying. There's something about the love of God that we ought to want to share it with others. This, of course, is the mission of God. I think as a church, you tell me what you think, but I think as a church, I think we've, we're quite good at enjoying each other. There's like a real sense of community and, and camaraderie. I mean, I come here, I look forward to coming to church on Sunday mornings because I just generally like seeing you guys and drinking coffee and hanging out and just, there's just a great vibe in here. I don't know, maybe it's the mugs, maybe it's the chairs, <laughs> maybe it's the spirit of God, I don't know. But there's this real sense of family, community in here. I do wonder, and this is not a critique by any means, but I just wonder to myself at times, where are we at in terms of the mission of God? I'm I'm fairly confident that we all desire community and, and a sense of belonging. And we just, we enjoy people and relationships. But when it comes to Uh, the outworking of that, the sharing of that with others and going on mission with God, demonstrating and articulating the gospel so that others can also experience his love. That's the mission of God. And that's that's sometimes I I wonder about that because that's kind of hard. That's kind of hard. So let's talk about how we can do it. Let's begin, though, with how, the best way to screw up. So if you're looking for tips on how to like royally screw it up, I've got tips for you. So we'll start there. Um, next slide, please. The best way to mess it up. So going on mission with God, sharing his love with others, demonstrating and articulating the gospel. The best way to mess it up, number one, start from a place of self. Start from a place of self. So this is my agenda, my religion, my tribe, my security mechanism, my party, my thing. This is all my deal. And therefore, I really, really need you to believe what I believe. Otherwise, my world will be threatened. You guys get get what I'm saying? Oh, this is a, a sure formula for just really, really unpleasant conversations about religion. Have you, ever, have you ever had someone accost you and try to, try to convert you to their religion? Before I was a Christian, I had Christians uh, doing this to me on a fairly regular basis. And God bless them, they were trying. But I would have people come up to me and try to talk to me about Jesus. And I often, not every time, but often would have this slightly unsettling feeling that their motivation for wanting to get me to join their program 
had more to do with them feeling like they were achieving something or them feeling like if somehow they could convince me that, that what they believe is true and right, and somehow that would bolster their sense of, of rightness and security. And it just felt yucky. Just felt yucky. This is a terrible place to start from. Which means we need to check our hearts. It's really, really important. And this, this applies to like anything, really. Any, any area or aspect of life. Um, by the way, there is no number two, three or four. This, this is pretty much it. <laughs> this is the surefire way. Okay, this is the sure. Just start from a place of total insecurity. Um, and it'll, I promise you, it, it'll be incredibly unpleasant. Or, or you might convince someone to subscribe to your, your deal and, and you can just sort of propagate the whole miserable thing, okay? This is not what we're talking about. Let's talk about how to do it right, okay? Next slide, please. A slightly better way. Number one, wait, wait. Jesus, at the end of the gospel according to Luke, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, he's called his disciples, the people, the men and the women who've been following him, to go and tell the world about all that he has said, done, his death on the cross, his, his victory over injustice and evil, sin and death, his resurrection, this, this good, un- unbelievable news about how God has done something unimaginable to undo all of the brokenness and hatred, destruction in the world so that we might experience his love. He said, I want you to go and tell the world. But before you go, wait, wait. The Holy Spirit's gonna come, that is the spirit of Christ, and he's gonna fill your hearts with my love. Without it, you will go out for all the wrong reasons. You need to be filled with my love. First John 4:19 says, "We love because He first loved us." Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5:14, "For the love of Christ compels us." Because we've concluded this, that one, Jesus, has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live, us, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised back to life. This is why Paul says in chapter 9, verse 16, I am compelled to preach the gospel. That's his motivation. But it starts realizing I need my heart to be filled with the love of God. Whatever we do as we go about being on mission with God, it always starts with us on the receiving end of his love. This is, this is why Christianity as a way of living, it's an incredibly humbling process. 
It's like the more mature you get spiritually as a Christian, it's, it is the curious case of Benjamin Button, is what it is. You just, you get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, more and more and more like a child, until eventually one day you wake up and you're back in diapers. And you realize, I can do nothing without Jesus. Unless my heart is being filled with his love, I go out into this world and I do all sorts of things for largely all the wrong reasons. We need God's love fueling our hearts. And so we've got to wait. And it's super humbling. We wait, we receive, and then we respond. Number two, listen. Paul says in verse 22, we just read it, I have become all things to all people. He's describing incarnational living. He's, he's becoming all things to all people. To the weak, I became weak. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To the, to the Corinthians, I became like Corinthian. He's, he's going around, he's reading culture, and he's listening and watching to see where the Spirit of God is already at work in people's lives all around him. He's listening. He's taking his cue from the Spirit of God. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation with someone and somehow, somehow, uh, the topic of Jesus came up? Ever find yourself in one of those? It's, It's always a bit confounding to me when it happens. It's like, how did that happen? How does Jesus always manage to like feature in my conversations? I was at the gas station. It's like two weeks ago, I think. And uh, the lady pumping my gas, somehow, I, I honestly cannot even remember how, I start talking to this lady about Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful woman. I think there was just something about her. And I asked her, I said, so are, are you a... Uh, spiritual person at all? And she, she kind of lit up. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, this is how it happened. This is how it happened. I said something like this. Can I tell you something? Sure. So we're standing out by my car. I, I, I'm out of the car by this point. Can I tell you something? Sure. I kind of lean in. I love Jesus. And of course, I'm anticipating like the, the, the sheer awkwardness. <laughs> and she leaned, leaned in, I do too. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> it turns out she loved Jesus. And uh, we ended up praying for each other right there in the Shell station. Um, wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, she asked me, if, uh, if I went to church. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm part of a little church just down the road, actually. She said, I've not been in a church for like 10 years. I said, well, we're not hard to find. Being aware, being present, being attentive to what the Spirit is doing. Not trying to force it. Not trying to like make situations happen. Now, now we'll talk about awkwardness in a second. Um, but being aware 
that God is doing stuff. And if we'll be willing to listen to him and enter into a person's life where they're at, I really think this is what Paul is, is on about. He's not trying to be someone he's not. He's simply recognizing that, gosh, everywhere I go, the spirit of Christ is, is working and speaking and moving and constantly at work through culture and language and pain and hope and desires. And if I'll just listen, I can join in. I can meet that person right where they're at. I can begin to engage and join in the work that God has already started. I don't have to make something happen. I don't have to be difficult or argumentative. Although some people do like to argue, I found. Some people, that's like their love language. That's, that's just what they enjoy. I hate it. I hate, I hate debate. Some people, they, they love that and they actually need that. Listen, number three, relax. God is really good at using awkward people. Again, this is the second half of verse 22. He says, so that by all means possible, I might win some. Paul is saying, look at, I am willing to do anything. I'm willing to do anything. Because I'm happy to recognize that God can use anyone. It's okay to be your awkward, uncomfortable, nervous self. It's totally okay. I remember, um, I've, I've told this story a million times, but it's just, it's just such a good one. It was life-changing for me. When I had first become like a, a vocational missionary, and my little mission field was the, the university campus where I had become a Christian. And I thought, man, if I can somehow make a, like a career out of this, that would be epic. Apparently, that, that actually exists. And I became a full-time vocational campus missionary. And all I wanted to do was, was just share the love of God with people on my campus the way someone had done with me. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Just absolutely clueless. But I had a bit of God's love in my heart. I remember recognizing there was another guy on campus who's apparently had the same job. And I remember seeing him around. And eventually I kind of heard about him and come to find out he was with Navigators, like another awesome campus ministry. And uh, I remember I'd watch him on campus. I'd always see him, and, but it was always from a distance, so we'd never actually cross paths. All I remember thinking to myself, this guy is the biggest dork ever. He was probably in his 50s. Okay, go ahead, just judge me. I don't care, just judge me. He was probably in his 50s. Super, I mean, he was wearing shorts, like, you know, like the, the dolphin shorts. What do you call them? Like, the, like long distance runners wear. With the, uh, the fanny pack, right? Which is super offensive if you're British. Rocking the fanny pack. And later on, I, I came to find out this thing was like packed of like little tracks, some little like Gideon New Testaments. Dude was like kitted out. And he'd roam around campus just as awkward as all get out talking to people. Okay, so months went by, eventually years, and I came to, I started meeting people who started telling their testimony. So yeah, I met Jesus. How'd you meet Jesus? Oh, Don. Don. Who the heck is Don? 
Don's leading all these like small group Bible studies in the dorm. He's, he's like leading people. I'm meeting people that he's leading to Jesus. It's like I'm just like following his trail. Like I'm, I'm, I'm living out my life in the wake of Don's fruitfulness. <laughs> Guess who Don was? Awkward fanny pack guy. That was Don. Super humbling. And I realized it's like God delights in using what I will call foolish to put me in my place. And help me to realize that God, God will use anyone. Here's the encouragement, guys. If you've tasted the goodness of God, if you've experienced his love, of course you want to share it with others. Of course you do. Of course we do. How do we do it? Well, you will feel a bit awkward. Unless you like, are the rare exception. It's okay. Because guess what? Most of the human race is just generally a bit awkward. God has given you a personality that's just right to share his love with others. Maybe people just like you. Maybe people the opposite of you. Don't change. Don't change your personality. Don't think you need to become someone else. That's not what Paul was doing. He was himself. And allow God to work through your personality. Allow God to use your, your awkwardness. He certainly seems to enjoy using mine from time to time. I don't try to be awkward. Like, I promise you. It's, it's, just, it's just a gift. It's a gift. Number four. Fourth and final. Enjoy. Enjoy. Verse 23, Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. There is great blessings to be enjoyed in sharing the gospel with others. I love this. Paul's unapologetic in saying, look, this isn't, this isn't just about you. Like, I'm doing this because I'm quite eager to enjoy the blessing it is to share God's love with others. It's, it's one of the most fulfilling experiences you'll ever experience in your life, sharing God's love with others. You know, um, I, I called a, a friend of mine, a guy, a mentor, probably is a better word, a guy that I look up to. Some of you know Dr. Greg Mitchell. He leads uh, one of our sort of sister churches up in Vancouver, B.C. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. Held, you know, a doctorate in ministry and counseling and all this stuff. And every once in a while, um, I'll find myself just like out of my, out of my depth, um, which is most of the time. Someone had a question about how do I, how do I overcome the um, problems to do with like a dysfunctional relationship? And uh, I thought, gosh, this is, this is such a good question. I, I'm not a professional counselor. So I called up Dr. Greg. And I said, hey, a little advice, Greg. Um, I, wanna, I, wanna, I actually would like to give someone a book recommendation um, to do with just some, some challenges related to a, a relatively uh, enmeshed relationship, dating relationship. And so he said, okay, I recommend uh, Follow Me. Can't remember the author, wrote it down. Follow Me. I'm like, great, what kind of book is that? It's like a counseling book, is it like psychology? 
And he's like, no, 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 it's none of that. It's essentially a book on how to like be on mission with Jesus. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, and I repeated the question. He's like, no, no, like in my 30 plus years of ministry, here's one thing that I've learned. Most of our, our struggles, a lot of our struggles um, in terms of our relationships and, 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 and things to do with just everyday life as Christians can be traced back to our, our failure to recognize that I have been designed to live for a purpose greater than my own. He said most of our problems can be solved, or at least step one to solving so many of our problems is just looking up, is realizing that God is calling me to participate in his mission to transform the world. And if we'll just look up and begin to ask God, how can I get involved? Won't you, won't you work through me, through my awkwardness and, and my brokenness? Won't you give me an opportunity to share your love with someone? This magical thing begins to take place. We begin to forget about ourselves and all of our problems. And we get busy following Jesus and sharing his love with others. I thought, that's profound. No wonder. No wonder you're the doctor. <laughs> it's one of the great secrets to breaking out of an unfulfilling, self-centered, boring lifestyle. It's how we love each other. It's how we stay healthy. It's how we stay healthy as a church. As we continue to allow God to fill our hearts. As we learn to listen and participate where he's already at work in other people's lives. As we learn to relax and realize that God's really, really good at using broken and slightly awkward people. And as we enjoy this great adventure that God is calling us on. What do you think about that? Guys, I'm excited for us as a church because I'm still convinced, I'm utterly convinced with all of my heart that God has started this. Somehow he's brought this wonderful community together. I would not want to be a part of any other church. I mean that. God has, has started something here and he's drawing people to himself. The community, the, the love that we get to share among ourselves, it's sweet, it's wonderful. And the mission, guys, this is where the action's at. This is where life gets fun. This is where we begin to thrive and experience health as a community and as individuals, followers of Jesus. Can I invite the band to come forward now? We're gonna end in communion and a time of prayer.